Welcome to Food and Loathing, your Las Vegas taste testers dedicated to eating, sipping, licking, biting, <laughs> nibbling, and consuming everything that Las Vegas has to offer to help you narrow down your search for the most delicious items available. That sounds dirty and I love it. Well, we're coming to you from Las Vegas, so it's got to sound dirty. If it doesn't sound at least a little dirty, we're not uh, doing what our are we jobs doing? right. Well, hello out there in podcast land. I am your host, Al Mancini, and I am thrilled to be joined once again by OffTheStrip.com food writer, Samantha Gemini Stevens. Hey, Gemini. Hi. Good How's to see you again. Yeah, we missed you last week. Yeah, I missed you guys. I hope all is going well. Everything is swimming. It's perfect. Excellent. Uh, Gemini and I are on our own this week as Rich Johnson prepares for a pilgrimage to the Pacific Northwest. But he has assured us that he will be around to engineer this thing and hopefully fix whatever technical <laughs> mistakes I make during this recording process. In fact, honestly, if you're hearing this at all, it means Rich did his job. And if it sounds Fair. good, that means he was able to fix my fuck-ups. <laughs> I mean, that, that's really how it works. You are here. the one working the machine today, so. Yeah, although I need just a touch there, too. For Yeah, Rich is going to be like, he's all over those pots. Um, I'm extremely excited uh, about this week's show because we are coming to you from Payman's Fresh Kitchen and Lounge and Payment Express on Eastern Avenue. This is just north of the 215, and we are being hosted by the one and only Payman Ralph. And I'm going to find out how to pronounce his name properly when he comes back out here, because I'm sure I fucked it up like I fuck up everybody's last name. Um, Yours he, is Mancini. Mine is, or Mancini. <laughs> I love it when Italian people like shame me because oh, right? I don't pronounce my name properly. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Or sometimes actually other European people, like Europeans who know enough because they've been to Italy, right. like so they know how my name should be pronounced, <laughs> they'll always like kind of shame me. Oh, oh, Mancini, right? I'm like, yeah, my family just says Mancini. Right. You know, we were... I'm lucky, you know, he didn't end up as um, Corleone when, we, when they got off I the mean. boat, you know. <laughs> Although it would have been, so, yeah, well, he was in Sicily. I'm going off too much on a tangent. Rich is going to lose his mind. So anyway, we are here at Payments, and Payment himself is going to be joining us momentarily. These restaurants, um, they really predate my food writing by about five years yeah. and by my Las Vegas residency by about three years. And yet the man, his establishments, they have never sat still. They are constantly evolving with the times and we're going to speak with him about all of that over some bites in just a few minutes. But first, we always begin our show by discussing some of the best things we've eaten since our last meeting and since Jim and I was unable to be part of last week's episode. Um, yeah, baby, I'm going to let... Can I call you baby? Do it. Is it okay if I yeah. call you baby? It's not a pejorative yeah. no, baby. Not it's at a all. loving baby. Yeah. Like, hey, baby. <laughs> okay, you get us started, baby. All right. Uh, well, hey, thanks. Um, it's like I said, it's really good to be back in this seat. Um, I really did miss you guys last week. There was just things were just not working out my way. Um, but man, I have been eating well. Um, that's, I, what, <laughs> that, that's the goal. Yeah. And, and I know some people who uh, follow my social media uh, say, oh, you're traveling again because I was in Arizona again this weekend uh, to see another niece and nephew. And uh, so I won't talk about that, but I will talk about when my two nieces from Michigan were here because we took them all over town and we had a blast. So how old are they? I'm they are curious. 21 and 22. Ah, the perfect <laughs> age. You can get them into the bars. You can get them into the strip exactly. clubs. Exactly. Well, yes, actually, that <laughs> happened. Um, so uh, the first thing we did um, about 10 days ago or so is we went over to Featherblade. I know I talk about them a lot. They're around the corner from me. I walked in. I didn't know what I was going to be making for dinner. We had friends coming over, and I walked out with, like, four three-finger-thick super marbled ribeyes. We probably could have only used two, but, but why, why not? not? <laughs> I mean, you're already saving by eating at home, so. Right. Yeah, let's call it that. So, uh, yeah, we took them out to the fire pit in the backyard, got a really nice char on everything, and then put a probe in them, stuck them in the oven, let them finish. And uh, I think we had some veg, but really we just kind of went carnivore on some just perfect, perfect meat. Um, if you haven't heard us talk about Featherblade before, where have you been? They are located on the northeast corner of Charleston and Durango in the CVS Shopping Center. They dry age things. They've got more than just beef. So go over there, talk to them. They will absolutely help you out. Um, I was also super excited to be invited to be a culinary judge for the National Restaurant Association's Educational Foundation's 
Pro Start competition. So yes, that five I was times so fast. sad to have missed that this year. It um, was but amazing. But Pro Start's always so cool. I, I, my nephew, the one that I, that I saw over the weekend, he did something similar in Arizona when he was in high school. And so we were talking about it a little bit. But it's the first time I actually saw it. And, saw and the what entire these guys program, just to explain to people, yeah, these are these are taught in uh, high schools yeah. across the country. Yeah. And um, they are, in fact, Anne, who used to run the one here at Silverado, Gary mm-hmm. Lamort used to help with that. She's no longer here in Las Vegas, but I still keep in touch with her via yeah. social. But um, so these are high school classes where kids really learn everything they need to know about the restaurant industry. And, you know, the truth of the matter is that, oh, look, if I move right in front of the there microphone, you go. it sounds a little better. <laughs> Rich is at home going, what the hell? What's he been doing there, man? Um, but, you know, they learn everything. They learn how to run the back of the house. Yeah. They learn how to run the front of the house. They learn how to develop business plans, restaurants concepts Precisely. the whole deal right in high school uh they have a lot of chef mentors that come in mm-hmm. some great professors that teach them or i guess you're not a professor as a high school teacher but I, i'll call them professor yeah. these people really know their shit um and then they do these competitions which i haven't been to one in probably 10 12 years so please i'm so excited yeah that yeah you so this was um the f- I believe the final for the state of Nevada. I think there was some regional stuff before that. It was held at the UNLV College, uh, Hera, Hera College of Hospitality. Um, they've got this great big kitchen set up on the fourth floor. I think it is. Oh yeah, the kitchen's um, beautiful. Yeah, they there. don't have a culinary. They, they don't. They don't have culinary school at UNLV, but there is a program as part of the hospitality degrees of that kind of culinary sort of thing. So everybody kind of gets their feet wet a little bit. Um, it's this beautiful space, completely covered in glass, so you can see in, you can see everything. Um, we were in a boardroom off of one of the kitchens. There was eight of us in our judging group for apps, entrees, desserts, and then, like you were saying, some of the marketing, some of the costing. Um, in other rooms, they were doing like business plans and things like that. Um, but yeah, these teams would come in. Some of these, some of these, I, I don't, I hesitate to call them kids because they were so mature. Uh, but they're coming in. They're 15 years old. Yeah, I and mean, they are wiping the floor with many adults I know who are decent cooks. Right. So, did you judge the cooking side of it, yeah. or did you cut? Yeah, yeah I was yeah. invited to be a part of that. The, the one particular panel called culinary, and so I was one of two judges that did entrees. Um, but we all were sort of passing things around and talking mm-hmm. to each other. Um, I guess something that new they did this year, because the whole thing was new to me, was that I guess before they would come in, deliver their meal, tell you the story, tell you about the conception let us taste and then come in and answer go leave and then come in and let us ask questions and things like that mm-hmm. this time they stood there the whole time yeah. so i'm not sure who felt like they were in the fishbowl more <laughs> us eating it and trying to like be discreet and right. chat and, and figure out what questions we wanted to ask or them standing there going oh god oh god oh god oh god oh god mm. tell us tell us tell us um but yeah we just we had some really great things i probably had some of the best chicken i've ever had cooked by somebody else in a long time um, you know, I think more people should see these because, um, uh, you know, you, you weren't here last week, but yeah. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to it, but yeah. to the podcast. But I was saying that I think the biggest problem people that are hypercritical about every meal that they have is because they spend too much time watching fucking sh- Chopped and, yeah. you know, and, and just TV shows where you where they just try to tear apart every yeah. chef, you know, every dish. And a lot of people dine out that way now yeah. because of that. And it sucks. They're not having fun. I think when you judge high school students Mm -hmm. and you learn and you really have to force yourself to make sure that the critiques that you are given are intended to help them grow and not to tear them down that would be a great life lesson for most people oh so so and you would enjoy your food a lot better if you were critiquing it not from a point of view of Oh, how can I make this person feel like shit? But or, right. or what can I tell them they did wrong, even though they got a ninety-nine out of a right. hundred? Let's let's harp on that one, but actually in a constructive way. So yeah, and and all the judges were really great. I mean, I met some great people. Some of them I had, I had met before, um, and the whole idea was, you know, you are learning. So in the future, what you'll find is, you know, A, B, C. Um, you know, next time you do this, try one, two, three. And it was really, really constructive they were uh, encouraged to have a discussion, not just answer, you know, uh, a closed-ended question, 
Um, it was really, really cool. The emotions were running high. It was so fun to watch. I did felt- you make any kids cry? I didn't make them cry. The situation <laughs> made them cry. I think the reason that I've never... Well, no, there's, a, there's a lot of reasons, but one reason I will never be on um, MasterChef, yeah. MasterChef Junior, was because I told Christina Tozzi that I love it when she makes the kids cry. <laughs> but I, I admit, when John and I watch some of these cooking shows, especially the ones that are the junior versions, um, you know, we'll look at each other and go, oh, you got an episode in you? Want to watch kids cry? Yeah. Uh, but no, in person, it was... It it was a lot, yeah. They they were they were putting so much pressure on themselves. That was the last thing I wanted. So to who do. won? Um, it was a I can't remember the actual name. It's A A C T. I believe it's a school in Reno. Um, and uh, yeah, they presented well. They they were um, the team that had the most expensive ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that that was just. The way it went. Hey, use what you can use. It, exactly. I mean, so yeah, we were eating wagyu, and the the appetizer judges were getting cones of like truffle mashed potatoes and caviar with gold leaf. Cool. Um, yeah, it was. These kids are super talented. Did you see any local um, high schools that you want to give a shout out to? Yeah, Centennial High School. If I remember correctly, that team was all girls, all women. And they were so supportive. One girl sliced her thumb open. She had to leave for 30, 40 minutes. She came back, hopped right back in. Um, And, you know, some of the rules, they don't have ovens and they don't have electric tools. If you're going to use a food processor, it has to be a hand crank. Like that kind of thing. And the stuff that they were turning out was just amazing. But Centennial High School... These girls were wound up, you could tell, but they were super supportive. Everybody talked about each other's dish. They talked about helping each other. Not once was it, oh, well, I took that whole thing on because there was there was some of that. I mm-hmm. did all that or, or, oh, no, if it was somebody screwed up, it was that guy did that. Um, these were not those people. These were mature, dedicated, actual, like, team members. It was glorious to see well, I, I, for your sake I can't wait until you go into some restaurants and um, maybe one of those chefs comes out and tells you <gasps> that she saw you oh. there because I've, I've been lucky enough to have that experience oh. from working with pro start people and it is really fucking oh, I get cool the chills. when you get That's to know amazing. them and then you see them in the restaurants so. yeah oh I love it Cool. so yeah that was a Saturday and then with, when, the, when the girls were here um, we popped into Golden Tiki um, of course that's always amazing I don't have to say too much you know they loved the tiki drinks they loved taking trips to the bathroom so they can come back and giggle over the decor. <laughs> the, the Dick Museum outside the restaurant. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, they had snacks. They loved the the shrunken heads. Um, did you so show them my shrunken head? I did. Yay. I did. Did they get me a new name tag? I think it's the same one. No, there's none. There was none for a while. Oh. Adam Rains, if you're listening. <laughs> okay, sorry. That's just my little gripe. No, no, that's fair. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so we did that. Um, I went to a new place for me, two, two new places for me. I'll go, um, quick since we have, uh, taken up a bit of time. Um, I went to Umiya Sushi on Flamingo, just west of Arville. Okay, I've never um, been there. The girls wanted all you can eat. I'm picky when it comes to all you can eat because I don't do the rice thing. Mm-hmm. So it needs to be like a really big menu with something interesting. So we went over there, um, and the service was amazing. The food was delicious. Um, they had a fried shumai. That they didn't coat the shumai. They just took a regular shumai in its own wrapper and fried it. And it had all the beautiful taste of it, but it had just a little crisp on the edge. That was the first time I'd had that. Um, for no rice stuff, they had a thing called Five Star. And it was five perfectly fresh pieces of fish. Had this sort of ginger, almost creamy, but not cream sauce on the, on the top. And they were all sitting on these little um, crab and lobster balls. I wish those underneath pieces had been crispy or something because it was all just soft on soft Mm -hmm. but super delicious um so had a lot of fun there and then we went to do you mind if i ask what was the quality just of the straight up nigiri because that's what you usually are gonna end up i mean if if i'm filling up on shumai and whatever then i'm like i'm not in a very good all you can eat straight up nigiri was good um it was super fresh um, it was not cut too thick. It didn't feel like they were they were um, you know undercutting us by cutting it too thin. Um, the sauces were lovely. They had a variety. You didn't have to have any one particular one. Um, I really liked their ginger and their um, they had like a shoyu yuzu soy thing going on. Super light, super flavorful. Um, the we got the uni. Uh, Liana and I got the uni. Um, uh, Jordan did not. We can which, have a whole discussion about it yeah, in a second. But I, but I got it because that's one of the ways I check how people are doing. And honestly, it was a loaded piece um, of nigiri. It had four or five pieces on it. It was super fresh, super sweet. Um, 
And then we had a couple of their carpaccio type things with um, a yellowtail and a salmon and um, another one. And I also loved their mackerel because mackerel should taste and smell a little fishy. Mm-hmm. And this was perfect. It and when we're talking about mackerel, we're talking about saba, so the vinegar-cured yes. mackerel, the basic. Yeah. Not Spanish mackerel, not the other mackerel. Right. Not, right. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I had a really, really uh, great meal over there. Super, super nice. Uh, oh, and the salmon skin salad. Salmon skin mm-hmm. was super crunchy. Some of the pieces had still had some meat on them without making everything soggy and weird. Um, lots of fresh greens, a little seaweed, not overly dressed. Probably one of my favorites right now. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so just quick, because I always like bringing this up, yeah. because I have had chefs tell me I'm fucking wrong on this. Some chefs that we respect <laughs> the hell out of. Some of yeah. our favorite chefs have, have laughed in my face. And then, you know, years later, I see magazine articles by even higher experts than them that agreed with me. But back and forth. Okay. When you order uni, yeah. assuming that it's going to be Santa Barbara Sea Urchin. When, because it's not always there. You know, you can get it from different places in Japan mm-hmm. and it tastes different different times of year. But assuming Santa Barbara season, which yep. is the most prevalent here in Las Vegas, do you eat it year round or do you have a season for it? That you'll eat I've it? always eaten it year round, but I I only eat it three or four times a year unless I'm sourcing it somehow myself, which I've done a couple of times. Um, See, I can... I have always noticed, long before I ever read it in an article, long before I was yeah. ever told this by a chef, I've always noticed that I do not like um, summertime uni out okay. of Santa Barbara. And it to me, it has much more of that ocean at low tide kind Got of it. taste, right? Whereas when I've you get it in the taste. cold weather, mm-hmm. in the cold weather, you have more of those lemon notes and things like that. Yeah. Now, other people have told me that I'm completely out of my fucking mind, <laughs> but I, I do remember being trashed out of my skull in an LA hotel room reading a magazine about a, guy who, like about a guy who, about a guy who, well, we were at this great bar across the street, but anyway, um, about a guy who <laughs> went down and actually handpicked uni in, in oh, Santa Barbara. Yeah. And he wrote, he, they had, he was quoted as saying that it's better during the cold weather months, right? Okay. So I took a picture of it. I circled it. I tagged all the chefs. Kind of like oysters. Told me I was You're wrong. not supposed to eat oysters in any month that doesn't have an R in it yeah. or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then with oysters, because it's in their spawning season. Yeah. And they're they're different. I don't know if it if that has anything to do with the sea urchin yeah, at all. Know. But okay, I was curious. And uh, yeah, wanna, has now an I'm going to have to do some research because one time I did pick up fresh uni from a market when we were in Melbourne, Australia, and then we just cut it open and did everything else ourselves. And um, but I'm trying to think. I think that was in April. So for them, that would have been fall. But it could even be if you're getting it from Japan, whether you get it from northern or um, southern Japan, we'll have two different seasons for when it's best there. So, you know, it does have a lot to do with the local waters. I was just curious and give people something to chew on out there. Absolutely. Where else have you eaten before I get on the list? Yeah, one more that I really want to throw out. Two things I want to throw out there really quick. Um, I went to Good Morning Kitchen and and Bar. I hadn't been there yet. Down on Flamingo um, between, I think it's Hacienda and Russell. Um, yeah, I didn't. You're I, talking about Rainbow. Uh, yes, Rainbow. Sorry. Rainbow. Yes. Not Flamingo. Nope. Yes. Cool. And I uh, yeah, I haven't even written down that way. So <laughs> um, yeah, I took the girls there when I picked them up from the airport. We went for brunch. I had this really great, super crispy, super light um, uh, soft shell crab Benedict. I didn't get the bread part because I knew there'd be plenty of stuff on the crab. The way they set it up. Uh, if I can describe this for people who are only listening, because you can see me mm-hmm. talking with my hands, is they had the the two layers for the like sandwiched parts with the egg on top, and so instead of the bread, I had avocado and tomato, the egg on top, and then they stand the whole crab up like he's sitting there waving at you, in the middle of the plate, mm-hmm. and it was it was just wonderful. And uh, I think I think one of the girls had an omelet, one of the girls just had a salad. Um, they had a, lo- there's a there's a place in New Orleans that I've told you to, to try if you're ever down there, Giacomo's, that does oh, yeah. a Godzilla <laughs> dish where the crab is stood up like that, looking like Godzilla attacking Tokyo. I love it. Uh, yeah, super delicious. Um, I think they had a Bloody Mary and a, and a mimosa flight. I got some sort of like breakfast old fashioned with candied bacon. It was fantastic. Uh, but yeah, it was my first time there. It's a lot smaller than I thought. That's not a critique. It's just I thought it was so much bigger from photos and things like that. Uh, but I would go again. It was really, really nice. And then I just want to shout out, because we haven't done it in 10 minutes, James Trees. Uh, because, <laughs> yes, if we didn't have a James Trees. Where would you eat this week? No. This is, well, I went to Ada's, but that's more about Jackson and Cat, which I'll talk about uh, next week. Okay. Um, but I just want to thank him, because at the event that you so gloriously put on over at Element Cabinet Design, 
He made it so much easier for me to make pasta. Ah. I grew up with a Sicilian grandmother. If you weren't kneading it for two hours and, and putting in all that elbow grease and doing it all right then and there, it was not going to be any good. And then and what James, did James at our us? Neon Feast Meet the Chef <laughs> event, James was like, yeah, chemistry overnight is going to do all the yep. work. So. so I twice now I have roughly put it together. Um, I add a little egg, extra egg yolk to mine because I like it. Um, but, uh, yep, I just get it rough. It's it's sort of balled up. I wrap it in plastic really well, and it's now sitting in the fridge. And pro tip from James pro Trees. Pro tip from James Trees. He, saved, he has saved me at least four and a half hours of the past couple of weeks making my own pasta. Cool. <laughs> I'm going to rush through these um, because we got to get payment out yeah. here shortly. Uh, look, I got to um, visit Echo and Riggs' new location in the district. Yes. It's fantastic. I'm going tomorrow. Beautiful space. Absolutely loved it. I got to see Tony Abaganum hanging out in the lounge. Oh, Sam was there that night. The cocktail lounge is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Place is loud as steakhouses tend to be, but you're still able to hear. And I, there's a lot of curved spaces, there a lot are. of curtains in there, a lot of multi levels. So I think that really reduces the noise. I like that a lot. Um, you know, Sam had ta- spoken to us a bit about how at this restaurant he was going to be ordering, offering multiple cuts. Mm-hmm. From different producers. Yep. So if you want the Creekstone Farm, there are two or three different cuts. If you want the um, the Tasmanian producer that he uses, um, Cape Grimm, there are two or three cuts. So uh, he does that. I was curious how he would lay it out. So the steak menu is actually set up as a grid. Mm-hmm. With the five producers across the top, the eight cuts down the left. 17 steaks on total when I was in there. Now, I always say I love Echo and Rig because they keep their prices low. They don't give you ridiculous portions. They give you enough, but you're not bringing home for the crazy steak right. and eggs the next day. Um, and put this in perspective, on that grid, there were 17 steaks. Um, they, they ranged in price from $38 to $62. Now, let's be honest. Most steakhouses in Las Vegas, steaks start at $62, right? Uh, 13 of these were under $45. Wow. Uh, 45 or under, I should say. Eight of them were $40 or under. Wow. Uh, they also had, in addition to that grid, bone-in porterhouses, tomahawks, T-bones, and New York strip available by the ounce for $2.90 an ounce. Mm. Um, a highlight, a couple of highlight dishes. I ordered the ahi frites because I thought it was really cool that they were doing a steakhouse. They did yeah. steak frites. Um, truth is, it was just the French fries on the side, but that's okay because yeah. the honestly, the ahi with those gorgeous, beautifully rich wilted greens mm. and ponzu sauce, um, they were fantastic. We love the tomato, cucumber, and watermelon salad. There was a very cool crispy pig's head terrine. Yes. So that was just, and that came with a violet cherry sauce. Oh, I can't wait for tomorrow. I had a really <laughs> near perfect Maryland crab cake. Um, the portobello fries, which you know from oh, the other places. That's a lunch staple for me. Yes. And I will go a little deeper here. We had a Harlequin souffle. Now that's a half chocolate and half Grand Meunier mm-hmm. souffle. Um I have to say, it was just so great having a souffle in a while. And I'm going to mention this again. Uh, again, um, Because it brought both Sue and I back to the early days of fine dining. Like yeah. when you first had that souffle. And if you, all I knew about souffles growing up when I was a kid was that like, if, you, if you're not quiet when mom's <laughs> making them, they flop. I was right? going to say, don't and make a sound. Don't. Don't, yeah, and that was just from the, the fucking Brady Bunch and the Flintstones. <laughs> Those were the only places I learned that. And I never really had one, probably until I dined at Le Cirque in New York City, like wow. maybe around 1996. And I was just, the first few times you really have a souffle and you experience that that texture, that half-cooked, mm-hmm. half-spongy, half-raw. Oh. And uh, it's such a beautiful thing. And, you know, I'm at that point in my life where I do, I, I always say that, you know, the, one of the things music and, and food have in common, they can bring you back in time Absolutely. to the moments. And for me, having that souffle brought me back to some really great oh. moments. So thank you to the team because we didn't even order that. They sent it out. So that was great. Um, the gnocchi were a little dry. If okay. I had to put in one negative thing and sure. I don't want to, but they, they were just not my favorite of yeah. everything else we had. And we had a lot of other dishes I haven't mentioned. Um, but I'll go back and try the gnocchi again. Um, also went to Nobu at the Hard Rock. I was killing some time before Jonathan Scott's Vegas Nonstop podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, I had the yellowtail jalapeno off the classic menu. I did their version of crispy rice with spicy tuna from the new menu. Fucking loved it. This was so good. And I'll tell you what they do there and maybe other people do it, but I've never had anybody do it like this. Um, there it's crispy on the outside. It's soft in the middle. It's warm through. And then the, so you have the, 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 um, then you have, of course the, the tuna on top, avocados on top, all the things like that. But 
by doing that, you'd have so many contrasting textures and so many contrasting temperatures. I love that. That it was really, really beautiful. I'd tell people to try that. I tried um, Thai sashimi with jalapeno and garlic ponzu. Um, that's also off the new menu. Okay. That was interesting because the uh, it was on Snapper. Oh, I'm sorry. Thai Snapper, I should say. Um, so it was like Red Snapper, which is a, a challenging fish to begin with mm-hmm. to eat raw in sashimi form. Um, but with some really heavy Thai spices on it as well as some garlic chips. So they, it was a very aggressive. Yeah. Very, you know, it was not – it was taking on an aggressive fish with aggressive flavor. I was going to say you kind of have to. Yeah. yeah. So I was a little torn on that one. Okay. But I was – Glad to be there. I love going to Nobu. And mm. the one at the Hard Rock is the OG Nobu. That's the one that dates back. I mean, I'm sorry. I called it the Hard Rock. God, I keep calling it the Hard Rock. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so sorry, Virgin Las Vegas. Virgin Las Vegas Nobu. You, Virgin. That's what I'm talking about. But to me, it'll always be the Hard Rock where I used to eat with rock stars and yep. on the way to party. Um, then, speaking of souffles, I went over to Marche Bacchus to try the blue cheese <gasps> yes. souffle that Bradley Ogden has brought your back on the menu. I saw your I want to hear all about it. And again, that was just so packed with memories, oh. you know? This Now, I had been introduced to sweet souffles, you know, in the 90s, mm-hmm. but it wasn't until Bradley Ogden in the 2000s, maybe you know, 2003 or four, when he opened his restaurant in Caesar's Palace, when I had a cheese souffle for the first time, and it was his. And again, man, just beautiful textures. Mm wonderful i mean you, you rarely get that sharp blue cheese yeah. in something with such as delicate a texture as his souffle so um go please if you if you've never had one just get your ass to marche bacchus now and try that so that was awesome I had some other dishes but i'm just going to talk about that one for yeah. now finally i think no it's not finally fuck i gotta go be fast man <laughs> um i dropped by the opening of my asia Oh, I'm sad to miss that one. Martin Yam rocked it up. He had dragon dancers. He pulled noodles or he had people pulling noodles. He was playing the drums. Um, It was crazy. And um, I asked him how it feels to be open. It's exciting. My first venture in Las Vegas. Las Vegas is the entertainment capital of the world. We want to entertain our guests with good food from all over Asia. We want to take them to a culinary journey of Asia. Without going to Asia, we want them to see, taste, and discover the wonder, the magic of culinary arts and history and heritage from all over Asia. Cool. So what should people expect when they come here? They come here, as I said, they would have a menu, all the dishes, all the items I select, my favorite dishes from different parts of Asia. And then we'll change the menu every season. To reflect the season, we want to do farm to chopstick. Awesome. Now I know you. You know you wanted to bring a lot of your personality and a lot of your energy and make it almost like a show when people are here. So can you talk a little bit about that? Well, people go to eat in a restaurant, five-star restaurant, six-star restaurant, a Michelin-star restaurant. After you eat, the next day you probably forget what you eat. There's no memorable experience. We want to give them a memorable experience, a true personal experience. So when they leave, they know, they remember, oh, they have tasted this, they have tasted that. So you notice that, that the dish that we have, true to the original flavor profile, but the presentation, it is very contemporary, very, very, very attractive, very colorful, because you eat with your eyes first, right? right? So we want people just like you, you know, to come out, people pay attention because you're creating some visual audio impacts. So we all hope everybody come here to enjoy good food, good wine, and good company. I would say about MY Asia is, and this was actually said to me by some people involved with the restaurant, yeah. is that it's really trying to fill a niche that's a bit above P.F. Chang's, but not too far out of the comfort zone of the people who dine at a P.F. Chang's, Fair right? Enough. So, you know, they want it to be a little better, a little more elevated, but if you're if you're a person that digs P.F. Chang's, fine. Right. If you are a person who turns your nose up at the dishes that are at P.F. Chang's, this will be a little better, but you may may not be the place for you. Sure. You know what I mean? So um, that seems to be what they were trying to get at with where they were doing it. So, um Anyway, I, I wish them the absolute best. <laughs> I'm excited to go in Martin there. Martin Yan is just a rock star. I grew star. up watching him. I cannot wait. Such a fucking oh. rock star. 
<laughs> um, and that same night, I ended up my night at Naxos Taverna. Yes. Um, just a few bites. So I did an amazing spread of meze. Yep. Um, you could choose five of the seven for 30 bucks. Uh, they also have wow, them seven bucks a piece or three for 19. Five was way too much for us to have just as a snack okay. after eating that night, but we loved it anyway. Uh, the muhumara mm. was the best, which is red pepper, cumin, chili peppers, lemon juice, pomegranate molasses, and walnuts. Just really, really fucking oh. good. But, you know, do a mix and match. It's great. And um, then I swung by Chinglish to check out their new cocktail menus. We'll have more on that in an upcoming week. And I think that's about it. We have the news coming up next. St. Patrick's Day in the news and um, some other things, including Picnic in the Alley coming back for the ladies. Yes. Or by the ladies, All I should the women, say. All the women, baby. Yes. So um, we will be getting to the news shortly. But first, we have payment coming up next. This is Food and Lovely. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. Want the strip? Off strip? Downtown? Great views? Great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. And we're back as promised. We are joined by Payman Raouf. And he just told me how to pronounce that because I've been mispronouncing <laughs> it for 20 plus years. But um, it's because everybody just calls him Payman because mm-hmm. everybody knows Payman's. Payman's Restaurant, if you are listening to this podcast and obviously you're into food in Las Vegas, I've got to assume you're familiar with Payman's. But if you're not, the original was over at University, uh, over by UNLV, I should say, on, um, on Maryland Parkway, right by Flamingo. I it was open when I was here in um, when I moved to Vegas in 2001. It was already an institution. It felt like by then. When did that restaurant open? Payment. 88. I'm guessing. Uh, 1988. Ah, you are correct. I paid attention to my payment history. <laughs> wow. So it dates back to the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, it's going way back, and uh, I remember the when I had to make the a very hard decision to close that location because of various reasons. Uh, uh, the TV ch- the stations that were there and uh, they were announcing a, uh, uh, what you call it, uh, a terrible situation that Opaymons is closing. And the very next day, uh, I had a call from Neon Museum that they said, hey, <gasps> we heard that you are closing and you've been part of Vegas for so long. We would love to have your sign. That is oh my so God, cool, man. That is just rock star <laughs> level cool. Oh, my God. There's the hard rock yeah. guitar right? and there's the payment and then there's sign. The payment. <laughs> <laughs> which I probably hit both on many nights in the, in, in the day. Yeah, I think uh, I would be one of the live uh people that my sign it is in neon museum wow. next to bugsy seagulls oh my yeah. god i love this so much that is so cool man so but you still have two locations here in las vegas yes. you're over um kind of by gemini and myself over on west sahara uh-huh. and then the location that we're sitting in here today which is on eastern avenue just north of 215 right yes tell people a bit more about where exactly they are and yeah what's going on so we are uh, uh at, at the right in the same shopping center as Las Vegas Adelaide Club in uh, uh, corner of 215 and Eastern. We've been here for about uh, close to four years now. Uh, our new addition is Paymons Express as people, they l- love their food and which I really appreciate everybody's support. And uh, so we made a new addition to our, uh, uh, to our uh, operation here, which is Paymons Express. And uh, people that come in is, is a Chipotle style service with payments food. People that come in, they grab the, uh, some uh, quick uh, uh, bite to eat, build their own bowl as they like, and uh, build their own flavors in and out. You cool. know, $12.95, $13.95, you're in and out, you get payments food wow. on the go. So it is, so it's still Mediterranean. So what's the base when you start building your own bowl? What do you start with? Uh, so we start with uh, rice. We have two different kinds of rice. We have a basmati rice that we use, which has uh, a Turkish saffron or, mm. or a called uh, 
uh, a safflower and also with a rice pilaf. You can start with that or we, you can start with uh, four or five different kind of greens mm. uh, and uh, you can build it, you can get half and half uh, and uh, uh, build it from there and add your dressings and that's it. You just get the everything to all the different toppings and uh, Get your protein in and out. That's so you're in and out in 10 minutes. You're spending less than 15 bucks. You got a really delicious meal, right? Right. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. okay, so that is Payment Express. That is only offered at the um, Eastern Avenue yes. location, correct? Yes. But if you are an old school payments fan and you want to sit down and you want to have a real experience, you can sit right where we're sitting right yeah. now. You still have the traditional payments with a full bar over there with some good bottles, I can see. <laughs> and um, a great view. And a great view of the of Eastern. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. And, um, yeah, so do you still have all the traditional payments items yes. that people have known and come to love? And um, I'm trying to think because it's been a little while. Mm. So do you... Man, I remember at the original location, you used to light the cheese on fire, Saganaki. right? You did the saganaki. Yeah. With the, <laughs> is that still one of your main it's dishes still here? There. Yeah, still there. People they come in and they they uh, they order the saganaki, which is a Greek uh, fried cheese, and uh, uh, people they come in and we bring it to the table and they uh, uh, will say hoppa, we light <laughs> it up, and <laughs> people love that. So nice. Yeah. So um. What is your background as a chef? Was Payments your first restaurant here in Vegas? Well, it's a <laughs> it's a long story. Where do I begin? So, uh, I came in as a refugee. They, they sent me right to Las Vegas from. Uh, 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 I'm originally from Iran, but I lived in Turkey a couple of years before I come over here, and I came through a refugee program through Catholic Charities. So they sent me to Vegas, and uh, I worked in different places. And uh, uh, in uh, uh, what you call it, as a dishwasher, as a busser, and uh, I opened the Maryland location, and it, it called Paymon's Express. I'm sorry, uh, uh, Middle Eastern Bazaar at the time, and uh, later on turned out to be uh, Mediterranean Cafe and Market, and then we changed the name to Paymon, so it went through different uh, stages, and uh, my background. Believe it or not, I, I didn't start as a chef and the way that I build my recipes is a little bit funny because I had these uh, Middle Eastern ladies, they came in to buy grocery and uh, I exchange recipes uh, with groceries. So they came in and these ladies, they show me how to make hummus, how to make this, how to make that. I and, love uh, that. And, uh, so therefore, uh, I exchanged these recipes with them with about fifty dollar worth of grocery, <laughs> and uh, that's how I best deal you ever got on uh, grocery, <laughs> right? Absolutely. So these ladies, they never, you know, they they were housewives, most of them, and if it was the first time they were making a fifty dollar worth of uh, uh, money, right? Selling the recipes, yeah. Selling the recipes. So I built my recipes that way, and little by little. I acquired the taste and was seeing what American culture wants. Mm -hmm. So I infused the Mediterranean. A lot of uh, dishes that we have, they are true Mediterranean. Some of them, they are infused mm -hmm. with different kind of uh, uh, spices and so forth. And uh, a few years ago, I had Las Vegas Spice Company that we blended the spices for all the hotels. I was going to say, I remember buying spices from the restaurant. Yes. Yep. So. Well, that gave me an opportunity to expand my culinary horizons and, and uh, uh, making sure that the, what we blend between the spices that uh, uh, what we had mm -hmm. and what chefs they wanted. So we expanded those flavors wow. and today we have all kind of different flavors of different uh, 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 recipes that combined in a t today's menu that we have. Wow. Wow, so it's been a really evolving work in process, yes. work in progress for all of these decades. Yes, so it was, it it, it it's been a great journey so far, and uh, I really uh, owe it to first to my staff and then my uh, dear customers that have been coming for a long, long time. Uh, I think we are the only restaurant we've been voted 30 times best of Las Vegas, with many, many followers for many, many years. Uh, one of the great things being so many years in business, we are getting almost to uh, 35 years in being in business wow. in Las Vegas. 
is that you build relationship with mm -hmm. a lot of people like you and everybody else that they come in here for years and years i remember one day i was standing uh, by the front door at sahara location um, a lady she approached me with a seven years old little kid in Aww. her hand and she said are you payman and i said yes i am and uh, she said do you remember me and look at her i said uh, should I? <laughs> <laughs> she said, mm, I used to come with my parents when I was seven oh years old. Oh, my God. So cool. Now I come with my seven years oh. old. So that kind of that kind of stories, you know, it, it, it makes you really, really happy. Yeah, and you had such a part yeah. in the, the building of this town, the developing yeah, of this town. Um, okay, I'm, I'm curious. Mm. Calling it... Deciding that you ha you were running a Mediterranean restaurant mm -hmm. as opposed to you said originally you called it Middle Eastern, right? Mm -hmm. Does that label, is that necessary in America? You know, I've noticed we have, or at least in Las Vegas, i noticed we don't have a lot of people that say it's a Persian restaurant, mm -hmm. right? Right. We have, that's probably the least. Very, mm -hmm. very few people. Yes. Nobody says they have an Iranian restaurant. Mm -hmm. Very few yeah. people say they have a Persian restaurant. You're right. Um, you don't have a lot of people that say Middle Eastern either. Mm -hmm. Then it, it seems to be that Americans or Las Vegans may have a little bit of a block about that, and they think they don't dig it. They think they don't know what Middle Eastern food is. But when you say Mediterranean, they open themselves up to it a little bit more. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering if, if the labeling was done as a marketing need or of, of calling it Mediterranean, or do you really was it because you wanted to be pan Mediterranean? You also wanted to have Italian food and things like that, and everything that embraced the Mediterranean like all those fusion. concept, all that fusion. Yeah. Because these days, when you go when you go in a restaurant that says Mediterranean, there's really it's very difficult to know before you get in there whether you're going to be getting Greek food, whether you're going to be getting some Italian mm -hmm. food, whether you be getting be getting Middle Eastern food, whether you get Persian food, things like that. So it, it's a broad it label, is. and it can be tough. It is. It is, and that actually that makes it tough for us because when you say Mediterranean you're absolutely right most Mediterranean restaurants are basically Middle Eastern what happens is that in in our restaurant we have a very large menu and uh, what happens is that uh, when people they come to Paymans they can get Italian which is Mediterranean when you think about Mediterranean Sea you'll see Greece you will see Italy you will see Israel you'll see all those countries around mm -hmm. the Mediterranean Sea so we have a lot of Italian items. We have a lot of uh, 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 we have a lot of Middle Eastern items and Greek items, and also we have a couple of Indian, like for example, chicken curry. But believe it or not, we are not an Indian restaurant. <laughs> but when I put chicken curry in in, in the uh, menu, we sell chicken curry as much as we sell gyros. We sell really? everything else. Wow. We sell uh, chicken uh, uh, tandoori. We also we have uh, salmon tandoori. That is my own recipe. So people, they come here, they get a big variety of different flavors and tastes mm -hmm. that normally you don't get it in other Mediterranean restaurants. So again, when you go to other Mediterranean restaurants, they are known for... Uh, they are known for Middle Eastern. But mm -hmm. we have all kind of... We cover a lot of different kind of... Middle Eastern, yeah. uh, all the way through Greek and Italian items. I think that's one of the, the things I appreciate the most about payments compared to other places that call themselves, um, you know, Mediterranean or something. Um, unfortunately, you know, the term is, is used so ubiquitously that sometimes you walk into a place and, you know, they might offer hummus or something like that, and they call themselves Mediterranean food. And that's not it. And so one of the things that I appreciated when you were talking about your spices is that, yeah, there's a sort of a set type of spice when you think of Mediterranean food and all the way across mm. that, that whole area. But then you talk about, oh, well, then we wanted to add a little bit of something this and you wanted mm. to make it unique. And I feel like the menu does the same thing. You've got different things coming together. And as much as I used the word fusion a minute ago, I kind of hate the word fusion. Mm. But um, you do. You talk about... Um, you know, this is maybe your background, but then there's this dish that you really like, and so you come up with your own recipes for it. And you get a little bit of those mixes and those little bit of, I prefer the word influence, mm -hmm. um, into something that makes it atypical and absolutely delicious. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you noticing that. But uh, as you said, uh, uh, a lot of places that you walk in, it says Mediterranean, you're the only thing you get. But for example, in our uh, in our uh, uh, Paymans Express, we have chicken teriyaki. We have mm -hmm. uh, uh, coconut curry, 
rice ball. We have all kind of stuff. So that's why uh, the, we decided to call it Mediterranean and more mm -hmm. when it comes to Paymans Express. So we have a lot more than Mediterranean, yeah. but 90% of the flavors, they are Mediterranean. Love and it. the flavors, they are very, very, you feel that you have a punch when you get it. It's just so strong and so good. And you you feel the difference. So uh, when did you roll out Paymans Express? About four months ago. Okay. So is, is and people are digging manual. it, huh? Yes, uh, people, they come in, and people, they come straight from a gym. Uh, the, there are a lot of people that come in. They, they do their meal plan over here. So they come in, they get four, five, six bowls, and they put in a refrigerator, and every day they go to the refrigerator. There you go. Yeah. So they build That's their meal That's meal prep meal I plan. can handle. Yep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you were, again, you are one of the f first places in Las Vegas, I remember, that did hookahs in your restaurants and as somebody who moved here straight from Atlantic <laughs> Avenue in Brooklyn where hookahs were everywhere it yeah. was very um, it was very refreshing to me do you still do hookahs in any of the restaurants so in this location we do uh, uh, we, we took the hookah out but at the Sahara location we still have hookah we have two dance floors we have DJs yes. uh, we, I mean is the whole nine party yard time when you go party time when you go to Sahara <laughs> But in this location, because we have a lot more family influence uh, neighborhood, so I removed the hookah from this location and opened up the walls, changed the colors, and uh, more inviting. As you see, a lot of families, they're sitting here right now with uh, a lot of uh, 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 kids that come in and enjoy the food. And those are my future customers. Those right. kids that they're gonna come in and they call me. The but the ones who were those kids ten years ago and now are looking for a place to party at night, they're going over to the exactly. Sahara location. They, they just graduate to the next location. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are the McDonald's with Happy Meal. Oh we my God! You, we get you with the hummus. And That's we, right. We walk you toward the experience of all kind of different things, and so. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. a blessing. What? How'd you get into doing kind of? I don't know if you would call it nightlife, but you know, a, a night scene with DJs and hookahs and all that. How did you transition into that? So in restaurant business, if you guys, you guys been around for a long time, so restaurant business has changed, as you guys know. It changed from offering good food and service. People come to more like an entertainment mm -hmm. scenery. So people, they wanna be entertained. Yeah. Uh, having a good food only is not enough these days. So that's why you see wind resorts, they have many, they have uh, 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 outlets and restaurants that they, in, uh, they offer entertainment. So that is what people want. And, it, and being in Vegas, you can uh, forget your own customer base that they are local and working in an entertainment scene. Where do they go? Because mm -hmm. when you think about Las Vegas Boulevard, it, which is great, but is made for uh, mostly tourists. Tourists that with a in. lot of money to blow, exactly. like, and not worrying about the price. But where is it that our our bartenders, our local people, they go? So they we opened this other location for uh, that kind of uh, uh, entertainment outlets. So people they come in and enjoy the place with a reasonable price. Uh, everybody come in, they have fun, they dance, and if they like to do the hookah, they do a hookah. And if they don't, they don't. They just have hang out and have a great drink, and mm -hmm. that's it. Cool. Wow. Cool. I love um, it. Well, man, thank you so much for sharing all of this. What else do we need to tell people about? Anything new coming up in the future? Um, uh, we are uh, uh, actually adding a couple of more new items to our menu that uh, uh, we're going to announce it in about a couple months. But basically, payments, the staple items is still there. And people that they used to come to my restaurant when they were 50 years old and they're still coming back when they are 80 years old. And the people that they used to come with their parents now, they are uh, middle-aged <laughs> and they come in. So uh, these are items that people, they like and we keep offering them. And we one thing that I like to do, keep making them better and better and better and better. With the better ingredients every single day that we get. We get our hands on. My mom, she goes to Iran time to time and brings me kilos of saffron, <laughs> <laughs> and which is wow. very, very expensive. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but most of our menu items is the same as uh, uh, what we started with. Cool. Well, thanks so much for your time, man. It was really great to I get in here. It. Great to catch up with you after all these yeah. years. Uh, the news is next. This is Food and Loathing.
It is time for the news. And if you are hearing this episode on Friday, the day of its release, well, thanks for downloading it right away. And um, happy St. Patrick's Day to you. I hope you're planning to celebrate. If so, a couple options for you. New York, New York is hosting Celtic Fesh, an all-day event running from 10 a.m. to midnight on Friday. It opens with the parade by, led by the Emerald Society Pipe Band, and admission is $10. And Rira, man, our friends at Rira have a lot of shit going on. They've been, they started the celebration <laughs> earlier this week. As so, you should. Um, look, here's Wally Lang telling you what they got going on. Friday. Uh, Irish dancers will be coming in in the afternoon. We have bagpipers coming in in the afternoon. And we have three bands that will start at noon with Ackle Crossing. And then 2 p.m. Crooked Jacks. Uh, they are from Ireland. And then 4 p.m. The Black Donnellys, our house band from Dublin. Uh, they'll be kicking it off late night. Uh, on Saturday, it uh, starts with 7.45 in the morning, France versus Wales. A, uh, a rugby tournament over in England called the Six Nations. Um, Ireland and England will start at 10 a.m. That's going to be the biggest match of the day. Um, big, big rivalry there, and it's going to be played in Ireland uh, this year. Um, then uh, from 5 p.m., we have uh, live music with Ackle Crossing. Uh, 6.30, the Crooked Jacks will then come on. 8 p.m., Ackle Crossing is back. 9.30, the Crooked Jacks are back. So we have a uh, back and forth with bands all, all evening and all weekend, really. Now, for people who want to do a little serious Irish drinking, a little legitimate Irish drinking, whether it be on Friday or year-round, could you talk to me a bit about your Irish whiskey program here? Oh, fantastic, yes. We have uh, one of the larger collections in the city. Scott, our GM, Scott Sherman, is continuously adding whatever whiskeys he can find from Ireland and get brought into the state. Um, and so uh, it happens to be our biggest whiskey-selling day of the year, P- predominantly Irish whiskeys. People come in and they want to try new whiskeys, which we have offering. We have a new distillery. The newest distillery from Dublin is Pierce Lyons. Now, the, the gentleman, Pierce Lyons, he passed away in 2018, but his, his legacy lives on. He built this uh, distillery into an old um, historic church in Dublin. I've been to it. It's a lovely property. Um, they outfitted it into a distillery, and now they're making great whiskeys. We carry that. We carry temporary whiskeys. We carry... Um, we carry uh, all the Jameson products that are available, Bushmills products that are available, Powers Irish Whiskey. We have the Powers Three Swallows, which is a popular, po- popular blend from, uh, from that company. So um, our whiskey program is uh, getting bigger every week, and uh, we, we have talented staff on that will uh, help you enjoy it. About how many Irish whiskeys do you guys offer, and what's the price range on them? Well, uh, they start off around $9 per, for an ounce and a half, and they go up to about $500 for an ounce and a half. Uh, that $500 mark is set by the Napo Castle 1951. It is the oldest distilled Irish whiskey that we have on property. Um, the uh, $9 whiskey, I believe, is the Danny Boy, something out of the, uh, the Dundalk distillery um, many years ago. Um, now, we have uh, um, price points all the way, but... I think that the m- largest price points are between 12 and $25. And about how many whiskeys in total do you have, do you offer? Rough, rough ballpark. Roughly, I'd say somewhere around 75. I don't want to go overboard, and, but I think it's somewhere around 75 at this point. If you're doing that whiskey, what do you chase it with properly? Uh, a splash of water. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, some people like a, a, ginger, uh, like a ginger beer or ginger ale. Um, back. Um, some people just like it straight or uh, maybe just a little, a few ice cubes. Uh, my preference, um, I like to sip it. I like to have a little bit of cooled down temperature, so I'll add a few ice cubes to my whiskey. Um, but we don't discriminate here. People can throw it in a half pint of Guinness and call it a car bomb. People can, <laughs> people can uh, um, drink it with Pepsi, tonic, whatever they like. Old fashions, we can do it all. Is Guinness your best-selling beer on St. Patrick's Day and St. Patrick's Day weekend? And if so, about how much do you sell? Wow. Uh, yes, Guinness is our best-selling beer in general, but on St. Patrick's Day, number one. And um, we'll probably go through somewhere around 50 kegs on that day, at least. 
Also on Friday, you can go to the Henderson Booze District for a St. Patrick's Day Food Truck Mania Food Fest. All the artisanal makers and grub on food trucks will be available. Um, you can find the event on eventbrite.com. You're going to be going to Astronomy Ale Works, Bad Beat, Craft House, Deadwood, uh, and you'll see food trucks like Torta Chaser, GBD Good Bad Delicious, Gray's Something to Taco About, and, ha- and Dough to Door, among others. And what? You're up next. I am. And I'm so excited about this one. Picnic in the Alley is coming back. Woohoo! So for those of you who were with us uh, in 2019 and got to come to the initial one, we're doing it again in May. It's going to be Sunday, May 21st, created by our friend and badass superwoman and culinary Jolene Menina. The event celebrates the amazing woman, uh, women of culinary, communication, entertainment, design, and more across Las Vegas. And Al spoke to Jolene about it. Picnic in the Alley is a Epicurean, it's a boutique Epicurean um, event that's 100% curated by women uh, in the industry so it's by women for everyone um, we are going to be benefiting uh, the shade tree this year so a portion of the ticket sales will be going to shade tree and uh, we're highlighting women um, in all different fields from graphic design photography chefs mixologists distillers brewers all all areas and allowing them the creative ability to to do something special for their space Right, so just basically overall, I don't want to be the person who's telling them what to do. I want them to curate on their own. Right. You know, let them showcase something that means something to them. And they just released a list of participants, which is pretty amazing. Uh, I'm not going to be able to get through all of it, but you've got to go and have uh, Danny Garcia-White of Yukon Pizza. She's going to be there, of course. Nina Manchev of Forte and Caviar Collective. Gina Marinelli of La Strega and Harlow. Chris Wilson of 5098 Bread. Amber Ramsey of Carl's Donuts. Joanne Vaknin of Harissa. Chef Andrea McLean of Pop and Pies. You see them at uh, VTK, Vegas Test Kitchen, all the time. Rose from the Silver Stamp will be there. Sonia from Peyote. Wendy, of course, at Craft House. We were just talking about that. This is them. just like every it woman in everybody. the industry. I'm looking at this list. It just yeah. goes on and on and fucking And on. I'm going to go ahead and mention Diane Breyer of Valley Cheese and Wine because also this Sunday, just to throw it out there, March 19th, Diana from Valley Cheese and Wendy of Craft House are bringing together a cheese and beer tasting event. And you can find information on that at Instagram uh, via Craft House or Valley Cheese. Uh, but I don't want to miss out. So go to picnicinthealley.com. Go to secretburger.com. They'll give you more information. You can buy your tickets. Early and it's bird. Early bird. Now, yeah. Yes, thank you. Until April 1st. And then prices go up. Cool. Hey, the garden table is back to coincide with the new um, conservatory display at Bellagio, at the Bellagio Conservatory, I should say. Um, their new seasonal thing is called Giardino dell'Amore, which I'm guessing is Garden of Love. That's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> and it runs through May 20th. Um, so, of course, they also have a new garden table offering. You know, I spoke about my um, Lunar New Year experience at the oh. garden table where I felt like the baddest ass VIP that ever existed. Right? You're in this private table um, within the Bellagio Conservatory. For the new one, they're going to have three seatings a day for brunch, another two for dinner. Sedell's is handling the brunch, pastries, avocado toast, salmon tower with caviar mm. and bagels, your choice of an entree and raspberry cheesecake for dessert. You could do it at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m. The bill on that one, a buck and a quarter plus tax and tip. That's not bad. Then if you go, and it's not at all. And I mean, seriously, to be like, the you know, on display on your own private oh. little table with your own private servers and your own it's personal amazing. thing in the middle of the Bellagio Conservatory. Then if you really want to up the um, ante a bit for dinner, it is from Michael Mina. Mm. Michael Mina. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, they've got a caviar eclair on oh. that menu. Red crab, um, an Iberico ham tartlet, sea bass with lamb, sausage, and some sides as the main uh you've got dessert in there you could do it at 5 30 8 30 um two only two possible seatings per night at that one um because you get to stay a little longer i think that's a two and a half yeah. hour experience compared to an hour and a half experience for the brunch and that one is 349 dollars a head plus tax and tip yeah it does not come cheap but you know what dining at michael mina is always worth the splurge but dining at your own private table in the bellagio conservatory if you got the money to spend you will feel 
deal. Like I said, man, it's sort of like um, when was it Julia Roberts and Andy Garcia like are eating in, in Ocean's Eleven <laughs> and Picasso? I think yes. it is. Well, you're like you're you're upping it on them. You're oh, doing yeah. a better ass. Oh, I am yeah. the king and queen of Bellagio for for at least those three hours that, that you're sitting there. That is pretty epic. You're gonna carry that one with you for a while. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and congrats to Daniel Antiveros, John Anthony, and the entire team at Sparrow and Wolf slash Spaghetti on the Wall Hospitality Group. They are all finalists for the Bar and Restaurant Expo's 2023 Industry Excellence Awards. Ontiveros is up for Chef of the Year for his work at Carver Steak. Anthony, whom you know from Sparrow and Wolf and Halfbird, has been nominated for the Community Leadership Award. And his entire team at Spaghetti on the Wall Hospitality Group are in the running for the Best Hospitality Training Program Award. Best of luck to all of them. That seems a little trite, but we do wish you all the best of luck. The awards will be handed out at the Expo on March 29. And just to throw it out there uh, really quick, because we did mention, James, uh, Ada's Food and Wine Bar has sort of rebranded their name. They want to remind people they have a great food program. So they've added to the name. They are rolling out new menus. They've taken over brunch. So they are the brunch place in uh, Tivoli now. Al Salito's not doing it anymore. I'm going in for lunch on Friday. Ah, you're going to love it. I got to taste some dishes dishes a few days ago uh, and got to talk to a couple of people. Yeah, I'm looking forward to going back. Uh, I think I'm going Monday. (laughs) Cool, cool, cool. And that is it for this week. Thanks to Payman Raouf and the team here at Payments for hosting. And to Wally Lang, Jolene Menina, and Martin Yan. Please tell a friend about Food and Loathing. It's available at the usual podcast places. You can check my musings and postings on the major social media sites. Just search for Food and Loathing. And you can reach us directly by email, info at foodandloathing.vegas. Also, of course, if you haven't done it yet, download the Neon Feast app and use it to find your next dining destination. Get your asses over there. Check it out. (laughs) Download, 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 and then use it. And if it's one of my premium subscribers that has a reservation button on there or something like that, use it to make your reservation. Because when they're figuring out if they want to support us, they look to see if you're supporting them. So do that shit, man. Do it. For real. (laughs) Find the app on, of course, the app stores, the Google Play Store, and at neonfeast.com. And what else I got? If you want to see me on TV, weekly appearances on Wake Up with the CW are now every single Friday around 8.30 a.m. I love it. And you can also catch Al all week long on the Neon Feast update on The Vibe. 99.7 here in Las Vegas, 98.1 in the high desert, 98.9 at the river, that's Laughlin, and every Thursday morning around 8.10 a.m. on the club at a.m. 6.70 KMZQ. And if you want to know what I'm up to, it's really easy. Search the socials for Wishbone and Vine or go to wishboneandvine.com. With Samantha Gemini Stevens and Paymon Rayouf. Ooh, messed that up again, <laughs> and he just taught me. Paymon Rayouf, excuse me. I am Al Mancini. You Rich, are. <laughs> Rich Johnson is hopefully fixing this so it sounds better than it just sounded when I did it. Remember, people, always stay hungry. Okay.